Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 in the morning here in Gilroy, California. As you guys are tuning in, please let me know where you are and what time it is. What's up? What's up? I'm praying for good connection. We're trying something different today. We're we're out in the rental car um, here in Gilroy, and I've got to say, we're in an area that is buzzing. There's a lot of cars. There's a lot of traffic. Uh, city's popping, man. It's it's much better than Los Angeles in the sense that in LA, it's dead. It's dead at this time. Uh, you know, it's just a completely different city. This is a, a place that people are up and working. I love it. Good morning. What is up? What is up? We got people. We got brothers and sisters from Germany, Wisconsin, Patterson, Ontario. Good morning. It's so crazy. They keep doing stuff with the lives. The lives look different even on my end. Now there's little hearts next to your guys' names. Uh, it is crazy. They must have been doing some updates or, or something like that. Yes, Vicky, I'm in garlic land. Garlic land. We had garlic fries last night, and they were amazing. What is up? Oh, you guys can like the comments. All kinds of cool stuff. Interesting. So check it out. Um... Today, we're going to go over 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we are talking about marriage and relationships, and I'm excited because this is something that, uh, this is the chapter that I've definitely been looking forward to. We've got uh, a lot to talk about, a lot to cover, and again, if you guys are new, maybe this is your first time, maybe you're getting up to speed, you guys, we have been reading one chapter of the New Testament, one chapter of the Old Testament every single day. Uh, today, or, or, or we've gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, Acts, Romans, and now we are in 1 Corinthians. But I don't read it to you. You guys are reading it. There we go. Boom. So, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is what we are jumping into. And right out the gate, it says, um, man, this is good. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. It says, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, a woman, <laughs> with women, definitely not with women, plural, with a woman, okay, but because sexual sin is a danger, each man should have his own wife, and each man, sh or each wife, each woman should have her own husband, okay, this is not a promise that you should have a spouse, this is not a promise that you need to be married, this isn't a promise that God created you with a specific individual for you to mate with, he's saying, hey, because sexual sin is a danger, each individual should have a wife or, or, or a husband, right? Um, because it's a challenge, because it can be tough, okay? This is good stuff. Uh, it goes on to say, the husband should give his wife all that he owes her as his wife, and the wife should give her husband all that she owes him as her husband. The wife does not have full rights over her own body. Her husband shares them and the husband does not have full rights over his own body. His wife shares them. Do not refuse to give your bodies to each other unless you both agree to stay away from sexual relations for a time so you can give your time to prayer. He goes, then come back together again so Satan cannot tempt you because of lack of self-control. Uh, again, this comes down to it. I know that many of you you know, in this moment like I can only imagine my, my brothers and sisters out there who are single, who are lonely, who don't have somebody. And it seems insensitive because I have a wife, but I want to share that I didn't always have a wife, okay? Uh, I went through a season of singleness. You guys, I got married when I was 19 years old. And um, when I was 19 years old, I married uh, a woman 
in the moment out of really obligation. Um, I never, it was never my goal to get married or have kids. I was uh, a young renegade and minister society, and that was never something that I wanted to do. I ended up getting uh, a girl pregnant, and I believed that it was the right thing to do was to marry her because I didn't have a dad, I didn't have a family growing up, and so um, for me, I really liked her. I liked her family, and uh, I, you know, we were having a kid, so seemed like, you know what, I should probably marry her because this is what normal people do. I didn't know what normal was. So that's what I did. Uh, come to find out, I wasn't romantically in love with her. We were in a very toxic situation. Um, it was abusive mentally, emotionally, spiritually, sometimes physically. We grew up together. We were children. And um, we just kept adding kids to our, our, our marriage thinking that it would make things better because when she was pregnant, uh, it seemed like life was better. There was a lot of joy and happiness in the house. But once the little baby came, there was a lot more stress and it was challenging. So we were two kids trying to grow up and figure things out. I share all of that because after 14 years of marriage, uh, we got a divorce. And so for three years between my first marriage and my second marriage, there were three years where I was a, uh, where I was single. I, I was, went through a season of singleness. So uh, please don't think that I'm coming to you guys from a position of like, you don't know what it's like to be single. Oh, well, I've been single longer. Well, um, I, I'm, I'm so lonely and I'm burning with sexual desire and passion. And, and some of you are like, I don't mind being celibate. I just want someone to talk to. I just want some affection and attention. Like, I, I do understand. It might not have been as long, but three years I was in a single of se uh, a season of singleness. So when, I, when I'm sharing and where I'm coming from is a place of like, I, I've been there, right? I'm, I've been there. And you guys don't need, please don't apologize for my first marriage. Uh, I made a decision at 19 and those are the consequences of my decisions. And I've got three beautiful children from that marriage. So glory to God. It was all a part of his elaborate plan. And so, um, yeah, awesome. So, you know, it's people, people often, they get in their feelings when they think that I'm coming from a place where I don't understand. Uh, somebody who didn't know my testimony said something to the, the, the tone or the tune of, you know, it must be nice coming from privilege. And I was like, <laughs> privilege, please don't look at where I'm at right now and think this is where I've always been. Do not judge my, my this chapter that I'm in in life from where I've been. There was no such thing as privilege uh, that, that I had. It, it's a beautiful thing. So I, I'm sharing from this place. I wanted to establish that relationship with you guys before I get into a place of like, I'm going to keep it real with you guys, right? I want to be honest with you guys. I want you guys to understand that I know how it is to be lonely. I know about being on Tinder, right? Imagine 14 years of marriage being married married through your 20s and then being single in your your early and mid 30s and then you know finding this thing called Tinder or Bumble or plenty of fish or match.com right the dating game looked a lot different when I uh, got a divorce I remember when I first dated we still talked on telephones like dial telephones nobody had cell phones uh, you met people in person like I married a, a girl who I went to high school with. And so we were married out of high school. So I didn't experience those wild 20s and all of the dating scene. I jumped right into the technological age where you could just dial up whoever it is that you want. And you can swipe and figure out, you know, um, 
It was challenging. So I had to navigate through what you guys call a dating scene these days, which is extremely manipulative, which is extremely misleading, which is uh, probably one of the hardest things. I, I don't envy anybody who's single and is you know looking for a person at this time because uh, you know it's a battlefield out there. It is not good. Glory, I, I thank God that I found a wife in the middle of this this uh, this snowstorm of chaos that you guys call the dating pool. Amen. Lesson learned. So it, it goes into a little bit more, right? It is not a command. Like he's not giving specific commands at this point, right? He's sharing, hey, it's good for you guys to have a wife. It's good for these things. He says it is not a command. It's not a command that you guys uh, have to abstain from sexual relationship. It's not, I'm not commanding you, right? It's good for you to give yourselves to one another. It helps strengthen the bond. It helps create unity. It helps keep you guys from falling into temptation, right? Uh, that's why there's an emphasis, especially in inside of marriage, to 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 love one another and to to spend time and to be affectionate and to uh, you know to have sex and and not to keep yourself from one another, not to use sex as a tool for manipulation, not to withhold sex from one another, uh, because the, it, it is an opportunity for the devil to tempt you guys and tempt one another inside of the relationship. Amen. It goes on to say, um, he says, I wish that everyone were like me, but each person has his own gift from God. One has a gift. Uh, another has another gift. And so in verse eight, this is what, this is controversial and this is challenging. It says, um, now for those who are not married and for the widows, I say this, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. Ooh, this is a scripture you guys don't like to hear, especially if you're single, right? He says, it's good. It is good. Now, for those who are not married, it is good for them to stay unmarried. And uh, he's go, But he says, you know, but if you can't control yourselves, you should marry. It's better to marry than to burn with sexual desire. Understand that he, the way that you are is the way that you are in this moment. Your focus shouldn't be on finding relationship. Right? And we've talked about this. We've kind of built up to this. Our, our culture, our society has made an idol out of relationship. Many individuals who are lonely followers of Jesus are, are far more concerned or, or your prayer every night is for a spouse. Your prayer is for your soulmate, right? Your, 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 your prayer is for your twin flame. I don't even think that's a Christian thing. I don't mean to make fun of it, but the, the things that we're so overly focused on is, is it's usually not Jesus. It's not on his will to be done. It's not on those things because what if his will to be done in your life was for you to remain single? Some of you guys would lose your mind, right? You, you see other people in relationships, hashtag couple goals. You guys are consumed with the idea of, you know, you, you grow up and you're romanced and then you fall madly in love and then you guys do cute videos and pictures and you dance and you go on these trips and it's just this beautiful Instagram picture. But Paul is sitting here saying, hey, I wish that you guys were like me, right? I, I wish you you were not see it okay that's good what about humans were not created to be alone okay uh, that, that's a scripture that right you don't you can be and you don't have to be alone you could if you're in the body of Christ you're not alone right uh, you can have friendships you can have family you can have relationship with other believers you're right you weren't created to be alone but what makes you think that it's specifically talking about having a, a relationship with the opposite sex? Hmm. Right? 
Man was not created to be alone, right? That's why we're in the body of Christ. We're not alone. We're surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ. Interesting. Also, we were not, we're not alone because we have God. God will never leave us nor forsake us. Man was not created to be alone. We're not alone. We always have Jesus. The most important relationship that you have, right? The most important relationship that you should be focused on is your relationship with God. When we take that scripture and we hold on to it, right? Now we're, we're twisting it and trying to make it be like, oh, well, man should not be alone. It's better for two to keep warm. It's better, you know, we start to take some of these things and we create a promise that was never promised. God nowhere in scripture promises, hey, these are guidelines. Yeah, it's it's good for man not to be alone. It's better for him not to be alone. If you if you can't have any self-control, you probably should get married. But nowhere in scripture is there a promise that there is a spouse for you. Nowhere in scripture does it tell you that, hey, this should be your prayer. This should be your soul focus and your heart's desire and your constant meditation. In fact, Paul says it's better for you to be alone, right? See, <laughs> And these are the kind of comments that, hey, you're blessed. You have a wife. You don't have to worry. Um, it, again, it's it's almost taking. It's almost like you're taking the the authority or the idea that uh, you know I have a position of experience away because I now have a wife. Um, I, I wasn't looking for a wife. That's the beauty. Like part of our story is that we weren't searching for one another. My prayer wasn't God. I need I need a wife. The, the, the key is, is I went through a year of singleness, right? This is good. I'm going to share this. I went through a, that, that three-year season of singleness. But for the first year, I was trying to make up for lost time. My focus was on relationship. My focus was on women. My focus was on dating because I was like a kid in a candy store. I went from being married at 19 years old, right? Uh, be, being completely, completely locked in to being single. And I was just like, hey, I'm a good looking guy. I've got a lot to offer. Um, what's out here? And it was wild. And so I spent a year, I'm just being honest with you guys. I spent a year of just like ridiculous dating. And it was maybe more closer to a year and a half. I got resaved. I rededicated my life to Christ. And my focus was no longer relationship. I deleted all the apps on my phone. I stopped going through social media and, you know, liking five recent posts. I stopped, you know, I, I stopped, you know, that, that look that when you're, you're constantly like, Ooh, that's a good looking person. Gosh, let me check out their bio. Ooh, do they have any kids? What's their relationship status? I stopped doing the, the superficial talking stages with people. I stopped asking favorite colors. Have you read any good books? What's your favorite music? What's your belief on this? Oh, the, the, this, that, that weird, awkward stalking tape, that, 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 that talking stage. I stopped doing that. And my focus and my emphasis became Jesus. My life became about Christ. I started building my social media platform uh, on TikTok and on Instagram. And I started doing uh, ministry things. Like that's where my focus was. Kyra was in California, a completely different state. And her, her focus was kids ministry. Her focus was outreach. Her focus was feeding the homeless. Her focus was serving God. And, and by happen chance, we shared our, our story last night. I, we, our paths happened to cross from two different states. And it was just like, it was, it was a complete work and act of God. Neither of us were out there actively searching for a spouse. We were spouse. We were focused on the mission, the plan, the purpose, and the will that God had for us. Right? People said, we don't want to keep asking what's your favorite color. You guys know the conversations I'm talking about. They're horrible. They're horrible. And it's a whole, it's a whole back and forth. It's a whole song and dance. But here Paul's saying, look, man, it is better for you to stay unmarried. But if you can't control yourself, you should get married. 
uh, because it's better to marry than to burn with sexual desire. And he's saying, hey, I give this command for the married people. It's not for me, it's from the Lord. A wife should not leave her husband, but if she does leave, she must not marry again, or she should make up with her husband. Also, the husband should not divorce the wife. There's a lot of questions, and there's a lot of things about this. If you're in a relationship where your wife or your husband is physically abusive, or, or is in a place where they're hurting you or harming you, that's God's not saying you should stay in an abusive marriage. Please don't allow somebody to twist and manipulate Scripture to keep you in a place where you are not safe. Okay? That's that's bottom line. God God's will isn't for you to stay in a marriage where you're getting your butt whooped every day. That you should get out. Amen. Can we move forward from that? Um, and, and please don't. Well, God, it's a command. God is not commanding you to stay in an abusive situation, right? If you're in a relationship where you're being walked on and treated poorly, and your spouse is cheating on you, right? God's not asking you to stay in a marriage and to forgive them and be a Christian doormat. Can we please establish that? I know individuals who are scared of the wrath of God, that God's going to come down and he's going to pull their salvation out from underneath them because they want to leave an abusive marriage. Okay? Uh, this is a scripture. This is a verse that has been twisted and manipulated. And there's even individuals who this, even right now, it might not sit right with them. But God's commanding us not to divorce. Okay. Think about the loving God. Think about how he is. Think about who he is. You might have been in that relationship. You might have gotten into a relationship that was never ordained by God, that was never a part of his plan or purpose, right? You might be in a situation that you chose. You chose out of your flesh. You chose out of your own desire that it was never. You might have ignored red flags and things that God was trying to get you to focus on, and now you're in a relationship and a marriage that is ungodly, that is not blessed by God. If that individual is hurting you, harming you, and treating you in a manner that is not lining up with the word of God, if they are not a godly spouse and they're not loving you as the child of God that you are, I don't think God is going to say, well, you got a divorce. You can't come to heaven because you just got out of a place where you were getting whooped on or beat or you were getting taken advantage of or you were being completely lied to or you were married to somebody who you didn't even know was the same person. All right. Now, uh, again, some people are not going to agree with me there, but, but this is not an issue of salvation. Okay. This is an issue of like, hey, protect yourself. Can we, can we all get on the same page when it comes to that? Uh, so moving forward. For all others, I say this. And, and this is Paul. He's, he's saying, hey, I'm saying this, not the Lord. If a Christian man uh, has a wife who is not a believer and she is happy to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a Christian woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is happy to live with her, she must not divorce him. The husband who is not a believer is made holy through his believing wife. Right? And, uh, and the wife who is not a believer is made holy through her believing husband. If this were not true, your children would not be clean, but now your children are holy. So if you are a believer, you're a follower of Christ, and uh, your spouse is not, and they're happy to live with you, happy to stay with you, don't leave them. That's not a good enough reason, right? And so this is some of the issues. This, this is all coming back. These are all teachings. These are all ideas. These are all things that we need to keep in mind, right? These aren't like... This, this doesn't define every single relationship because that's what we want to do is we want everything uh, nice and neat and tidy and it's got to be black and white and it's got to be this and if it's not this, it's got to be that. We have to understand that marriage, relationships, when you're bringing two individuals together, it can be more complicated, right? It can be more complicated than what you think. That, imagine somebody, two people who get married who aren't believers and imagine one of them gets saved and the other one decides not to be saved. 
that's complicated. Imagine you you are saved and you marry somebody who's not saved. That happens all the time because people think that they're going to change the other person. That happens, right? Uh, there, there, what if you marry somebody who's from another religion? Because maybe you were lukewarm when you got married and you thought that it was okay, but now you're getting stronger in your faith and now you're married to somebody who is a complete in complete opposition of the faith that you meet. It's so it's it's so much more. There more time needs to be dedicated to this topic than just a, a, a one hour, a thirty minute, one hour uh, coffee and prayer life because. Each one of you have a different situation and it, it you're trying to navigate within the lines because I understand your heart posture is in a place where you guys want to please God. It's not even a bad thing. You're trying to live a life that honors God and you're so careful that you're trying to tiptoe and navigate and you're trying to find where you fit and you don't want to offend God. You don't want to break any of his rules or his laws, but we have to get back to the point where we remember who God is and how he views us. He loves us. Right? He loves us. He is our Father. He wants what's best for us. And many of us find our, ourselves in a place where we're, where we're stuck because maybe we made poor decisions or we, 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 we behaved poorly and we find ourselves in relationships or situations that are hard to navigate because it's a unique situation. We have to understand who God thinks we are, the way that He sees us, and who He is. He loves you. And, and we're going to make mistakes. We're going to make, uh, we're, we're going to make decisions out of, uh, out of a reaction or out of anger. Um, there's just, there's just so many, there's so many different caveat. There's just different angles to it, right? There's so many different angles to it. And I just want you to know that you are loved and whether you decide to get married or you decide to stay single or you decide to be celibate or you decide to join the, the, the dating field, I just pray, right, to kind of sum, sum a lot of this up. I just pray that you are so in tune that your most important focus is Jesus. I believe that if you are, are grounded in the word, right, if you're grounded in the word, you're spending time with Christ, you're spending time in uh, his presence, you're taking time to pray, you're not rushing into decisions, you are, um, you're testing every spirit, you're capturing every thought obedient to Jesus, that your focus is on building your relationship with him and you're aware and alert and, and any relationship that pulls you away from Jesus, you put a stamp in and you say, nope, this ain't it, right? You're aware of the red flags. You're, you're testing the water. As long as you guys are focusing on Jesus, I believe that he will lead you and guide you in the right direction, right? If we're not being led by our feelings and our emotions, our feelings are loneliness and sadness and depression and wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard. If we can remember of who, we, who, who he is, right? We are loved by him unconditionally. Our, our, our focus is on him. He comforts us. Until Jesus is enough, I don't think that you guys are ready for a relationship. And that's a tweet. If Jesus, until Jesus is enough, when you can find a place in your life where you can take yourself out to dinner, you can go to the movies by yourself, you don't need anybody else. When, when Jesus is enough, your relationship with Christ, he is your comfort, he is your peace, he was your joy, he, he is your happiness. When you can get to that place where you're no longer looking and you're no longer searching and you find it in your heart, you know what? It's me and Christ and I'm happy. He's my daily bread. He, he is more than enough. Then and only then do I think that we are ready. I think a lot of us want to run into a relationship, yet we still have a lot of baggage. 
I think a lot of us want a relationship, but we're not healed. We're still carrying around trust issues and hurt. We're carrying around all of the trash and garbage from our past relationships, and we're trying to run into the comfort of another one when we never had time to truly unpack. While I was single, I went to counseling, right? When I, went to, when I, when I was single, I went to counseling. And in counseling, I was able to talk through some of the relationships and the toxic behaviors, the hurts, the pains, all of the issues that I went through. I got a chance to unpack my baggage. I got a chance to deal with childhood trauma. I got a chance to heal from the hurt that even I inflicted. I was in a place where I was, uh, where I wasn't healed healthy or, or should have been in any kind of a relationship. And in my single season, I worked on me and I worked on knowing him. And in the midst of knowing him, God brought an individual who was healthy, heal, and hold, uh, who was who was whole. And that was one of the other things is while I was single, I got a chance to go to faith-based counseling. And in faith-based counseling, he diagnosed me with something that I had no idea that I had. What I had was an issue called white knight syndrome. I typically went after women who had issues and I was trying to be their white knight and I was trying to come in and fix their problems, right? I was, I was, I was stepping in and I was arriving in on my horse with like a knight in shining armor. And my goal was to try to help fix their issues. But, and, and their issues could have been daddy issues. Their issues could have been, uh, they were struggling with career options. So I wanted to come in and fix it, everything. I, I wanted to come in and be the savior. And the issue was, is that I was finding and getting into relationship with women who were broken. They weren't fully healed. They weren't fully whole. They didn't love themselves. They didn't know their own self-worth. And that's a recipe for disaster. Me coming in trying to fix something because in the rare event that I did fix something, guess what? Now I became bored because now they no longer had any issues for me to address and I would easily lose interest and move forward. These are things that I had to process and I had to go get help for because there were underlying issues that were going on in my heart and I was not ready for a relationship. And I thank God, I thank God that I did go to counseling and I did have that chance to work on myself because I know that if I would have met my current wife in the state that I was, I would have mishandled her. I would have fumbled her. I wouldn't know how to treat the woman of God that she is. I wouldn't have been able to treat her like the precious child of God that she is. I would have mishandled, I would have fumbled the bag. And I think that many of you are so focused on relationship that you're not even ready to receive what God has for you because if you received what God had for you, you would drop the ball. You can't bring, imagine God did answer your prayer and brought you the woman or the man or woman of your dreams, but you still have trust issues. You still have issues from your last relationship. You still aren't okay on your own. You're codependent. Now imagine God giving you that, you stepping in and because of your issues, because you're not healed, you're not whole, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You're not strong. You fumble it and you push them away. The audacity of the think that we're praying for an individual to come into our life, but we're not even ready. Wow. Some of y'all aren't even ready. You're going to drop the ball. Imagine God, imagine you woke up and that person was there. Some of you guys aren't even in a place emotionally, spiritually, physically, right? Some of you guys aren't in a place to even receive the blessing that God has for you. Wow, that's a whole message in and of itself. We could do a sermon on that. So if so if you focus, right? I love the I love the 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 comment. I used to use this in fitness. Uh, you got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. If you would focus on staying ready and staying in tune with the Lord, right? 
if you would if you would if you would make your life's mission and your goal pursuing Christ and living out the plan, purpose, and will that he has for you, I believe that he will position your heart. He will position your life. He will put you in a place. He will heal you and make you whole so that you will be in a place to receive the person that God has for you. But but listen, the, the person that God has for you is also his child. Why would he give you somebody who he cares about and loves for you to mishandle or to mistreat? Wow. Think about that. So many times, I think that those of you who are lonely and single or in a place where you're looking for a relationship, I believe that your prayer shouldn't be, God, bring me that godly spouse. I think your prayer should be like, God, make me that godly spouse. I'm going to just pause right there. That's a holy pause. If your focus was on becoming that man or woman of God, I believe that God would bring that individual into your life. My prayer shouldn't be about bringing me somebody. It should be, God, make me into somebody. Make me into the image of Jesus. Make me more like Christ. Because as I become more like Christ, I become more whole. I become more healthy. I become ready for to, to, to be and to add value to that individual. Why would God give you somebody who you're just going to pull further away from God? Wow. Mind-blowing. I want a man or woman of God to be my godly spouse, yet I'm in a position and a heart posture that if I got somebody like that, my sadness would pull them away. My, my issues would pull them away. My trauma would pull them away. My lack of devotion to the scripture would pull them away. My lack of devotion to prayer would pull them away. My, my discipline and my, my lack of tithing and financial security would pull them away. We need to be more focused on becoming like Christ than God giving us a person who we want to sit on the couch and eat ice cream and watch movies with. Shouldn't Jesus be enough? I digress. This is just a holy rant. Um, because this is something that, like, you guys, you have no idea. I, I get a lot of messages. I got a lot of DMs. And uh, there, there's two things that they're about a lot of the time. They're either about relationship, right? Not being in one, in a crappy one, trying to get out of one, trying to get into one, right? It's usually about relationship or it's about pornography and lust. So, so what this tells me is chapter seven, it's talking about burning with lust, burning with desire. It's talking about relationship. It's talking about marriage. This chapter here is probably speaking to a lot of you, even individuals who are married burning with lust because they're not being, uh, they're, they're not having sexual relationships inside their marriage and their attention is being pulled away by the on demand, um, uh, you know, availability of pornography. You know what I mean? So. It says in verse 15, it says, If those who are not believers decide to leave, let them leave. When this happens, the Christian man or woman is free. So uh, it's kind of like, let's say you, you're in a marriage. I get saved. My my spouse doesn't get saved. They But but for a time, they're happy living with me. The Me being a follower of Jesus doesn't affect them, and they want to stay with me. I should stay with them because my faith, my belief makes them holy. It covers them because we are one. Now, if they become, they find a place where like, ah, I don't want to be with you anymore. Your faith is keeping me separate. We are to let them leave. Right, so here we go. We're back to like, hey, you must not leave your. But there, there's different caveats. Adultery, 
divorce, right? If, if, if you don't want to forgive that individual and they're cheating on you, God's not up there saying, oh no, I command you to stay in this abusive relationship. I command you to stay in a relationship where you're being uh, cheated on. I command you to be in a relationship where you're being taken advantage of. I command you to be in a relationship where you're being lied to and you're not being honored as my child. We have to get to a place where we understand and many times we're in situations by our own choices. These are the consequences of our actions. And God doesn't want us to sit in those places where we're not being honored, right? But he doesn't want you to have an argument and just be like, oh, no, we don't agree on where we're going for dinner. I'm out of here. I'm divorcing you. It's He has to have guidelines. He has to have rules because our hearts are wicked. And we like to twist and manipulate things. And we like to jump to conclusions. And we like to react. And we like to you know be moved by our feelings and our emotions. And there has to be some kind of guideline. There has to be some kind of structure in what we're trying to do here. You know what I mean? Uh, Smith, I leave all the recordings up. You guys can get every single one of these. So moving forward, it says, um, he says, but in any case, <laughs> he, he rants about marriage and divorce and singleness and sexual temptation. But he says, ah, but in any case, each one of you should continue to lo- live the way that God has given you to live, the way you, uh, the way you were when God called you. Uh, if you, if you move forward, um, We're just going to jump over to verse 27. And it says, If you are not married, do not try to find a wife. But if you decide to marry, you have not sinned. And if a girl who is never married decides to marry, she has not sinned. But those who marry will have trouble in this life. And I want you to be free from trouble. So let me get this straight. Paul's saying, right? And he's saying this in multiple places. He says, hey, um, I wish that every one of you were like me. I wish that, hey, if you're not married or you're a widow, right, you should, uh, you should stay unmarried as I am. That's what he says. He's like, hey, it's, it's probably better. But if you're burning with desire and sexual temptation, you should probably get married. But he's like, hey, but if you're not married, um, if you're not married, don't try to find a wife, right? Don't try to find a wife. Don't, don't, your goal shouldn't be, my mission shouldn't be, I'm swiping, I'm trying to find, I'm looking and I'm searching and, and that shouldn't be what we're doing. But if you decide to marry, you're not sinning, right? If you decide, if you bump into somebody, like it's like this, the way that I see it. I want to be on fire for Christ. I want to be at outreach. I want to be at church. I want to be on missions. I want to be in the field. I want to be living on fire for Jesus, becoming the best version of myself that I can. I want to be more like Christ. I want to spend my time, my energy, my effort, my resources, my money, everything that I have, I want to spend it on becoming more like Jesus. And uh, we paused for just a second. And I pray, oh man. And I pray that uh, there's a man or woman of God out there who is trying to do the same thing. And I believe that if I am focused on Jesus, on becoming more like him, and I'm not searching, I'm not out here looking, I'm not out here spending time, energy, and effort and resources trying to find them. I believe that God will position me and put me in a place that my, my path will cross with somebody who is on the same mission. I want to be so on fire for Jesus that I, I, I run into, right? You want your godly spouse. Where do you think you're going to find them? You think that you're going to find them on a, on an app? It happens. I'm not saying that it doesn't, but I know I want to find my person on a missions trip. 
who's out there serving God. I want to find my person on an outreach who's out there serving and feeding the homeless. I want to find my person on their knees at the altar worshiping and praising God. I want to put I want to position myself uh, to, to be in a place where the individuals who I'm coming into contact with are on the same mission. I want a running mate. I'm not going to find my person in a bar. I'm not going to find my person out late. I'm not going to find my person uh you know in some of these places that we're looking for. The the saying you're looking for love in all the wrong places it couldn't be more true. You're looking in places, right? I use this analogy a lot of the time. It's like it's like fishing. If I'm out and I'm fishing, I'm trying to catch a certain kind of fish, I probably use a certain kind of rod. I use I probably use a certain kind of bait. I'm not a big fisherman, but I understand that if I'm fishing for salmon, right, I'm using a specific kind of bait and I'm using a specific kind of rod and I'm going to a place that is conducive to where salmon live. Okay? So I'm 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 specifically salmon fishing. And that's what my goal is. I want to catch a salmon. But some of you guys are trying to catch a godly salmon, but you're using the wrong kind of bait. You're using bait to pick up catfish, right? Okay, if I'm trying to catch a salmon and I'm trying to catch a, a catfish, which is a bottom feeder, I'm probably going to use a different kind of bait. Some of you guys are noodling. You're sticking your arms in holes in caves and you're pulling out these catfish because you're using the wrong kind of bait. Does that make sense? And, and the bait that I'm talking about is the way that you dress. Okay, right. I'm going to say it. I'm talking to guys too. If I'm looking for a godly spouse, a man of God, I should be dressing in a manner that's going to catch a man of God. I'll tell you what, I'm a man of God. If I see your stuff and it's not in a, in a, in a way that is, is modest, then I'm not interested because I don't want to be with a woman who's showing her goodies to the entire world. Isn't that the kind of man that you want? One that's going to be loyal, one that's going to be faithful, one that's not looking at other women's things, right? But if that's the bait that you're putting out there, those are the kind of men that you're going to catch. You're going to catch the men that are out there looking and scrolling for sexually explicit and things that are, are drawn to their eye. Is that am I, am I losing you guys? Same with dudes. Like dudes, if, if all you're doing is all of your shirts looks like you're allergic to t-shirts on your profile and you're putting that out there, you're going to look at women who are only into physicality, right? If, if they're only looking and they're scrolling and they're liking your pictures with your shirt off or your, your steamy selfies where you're just checking out your abs, guys, put a shirt on. Does that make sense? If that's what you're fishing with, if that's who you're putting out there, you're going to attract. You're fishing with a certain kind of bait, and you're going to keep catching catfish. But then you're going to get frustrated and say, well, Lord, why ain't I catching any salmon? He's going to say, look at the bait that you're using. You're putting things out there that are drawing and attracting people who are looking for this kind of thing. They're drawn to this kind of bait, and those aren't the people that you want to be with. Does that make sense? So let's start cleaning up what we're fishing for. Let's start positioning ourselves and putting ourselves in the places where the salmon swim, right? Men of God, the godly spouse, the women of God, the godly spouse that you're looking for, they're not on social media liking pictures of your body. They're not there doing those things. They're running from that. They're fleeing from that. That's sexual immorality. They're protecting their mind. You're blocked, bro. You're not even coming up on their feed because they're not interested in that kind of stuff, right? So the people who are interested in that stuff usually are, are struggling. They're usually in the world. So if the bait that I'm putting out there keeps drawing in catfish, maybe I should check out the bait that I'm using. Maybe I should position myself at a missions trip. Maybe I should position myself uh, at, you know, serving the homeless. Maybe I should position myself at the altar, at a place of repentance. Maybe I should be a part of the church. Maybe I should start volunteering my time and being a part of this. And if after this church attendance and, and all of these outreach things are like filled, 
pastors can thank me later. Because all of a sudden, you guys are looking at your schedules. Well, I think I can make a Saturday outreach. I think I might be able to volunteer a little bit of time at the church. Well, I got a week coming up. I might be able to take a little missions trip. That's a good point, Pastor Carter. You know what I mean? Now you guys are going to start, hey, 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 hey. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're going to have a lot more volunteers at church. Because it makes sense, right? It makes sense. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys are looking at your calendars right now. Well, I got a little bit of time for that. I can make that work. Yeah, I'm sure you can. Because here we are, you know, we just replaced showing up to the right places with scroll. We just replaced scrolling with that. Lord bless us. This is what he says. He says, uh, but those who marry will have trouble in this life. You guys know what I mean? You're going to have trouble. For, for those of you who think that marriage is the answer to your problems, it brings its own whole set of problems with it. So, so you're single and you're like, oh, I'm lonely and I'm, I'm all by myself. And it's just like, it says, uh, but those who marry will have more trouble in this life. And I want you to be free from trouble. It is not easy. Marriage is taking an entirely different human being who is not you and putting you together inside of a house. And, and <laughs> yes, you get to take cute little selfies and you get to do dance TikToks and you can do cute things. And now, oh, my feed looks like this. But bro, there, it, there's conflict. Like it's a whole different person. It's a whole nother human being. Marriage is not easy. Uh, many times it's, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging. It's not just a picture perfect thing. It can be challenging. Yes, there's benefits. Yes, there's it, it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm married to my best friend. We laugh and joke and we have a, a great time. And I'm not trying to make you guys feel bad for yourself. But that does not mean that there are, there's an absence of issues. If you guys don't know, Kyra is the complete opposite of me. Guess what she's doing? She's asleep. It took our first year of marriage. We've been married for just over a year for me to figure out a schedule and how the way that she operates. She stays up late and she goes and she sleeps in. I go to bed early and I get up early. I work out six times a week. Kyra works out two times a week on a good week. So our schedules don't mesh. She likes to eat vegan food. I like to eat meat. We, we are the complete opposite. She used to uh, solve crimes. I used to commit crimes. I'm covered in tattoos. She doesn't have one. We are literally night and day. And God has a sense of humor because he put us together and we love each other. But there are constant, uh, here's the other thing. She loves to be right. I'm never wrong. So, so how do you think that works? There, there's, there's constantly ways to refine us. But it, it's beautiful because she's extremely frugal. And I'm extremely frugal. So we're, we line up. There's things that we line up. There's areas. But there are challenges. There are obstacles that you must navigate. Life is not easier because you now have a spouse. He says, brothers and sisters, this is what I mean. He breaks this down. He says, look, I, I, I don't want you to marry. I don't want you to have trouble. I want you to pay attention to this. We do not have much time left. So starting now, those who have wives should live, live as if they had no wives. Please don't take that out of context. That doesn't mean, oh, Paul said that I have to live like I don't have a wife. So I'm free to be single and mingle. That's not what he's saying. Okay. He says, those who are crying should live as if they were not crying. Those who are happy should live as if they were not happy. Those who buy things should live as if they own nothing. Those who use the things of the world should live as if they were not using them. Because this world in its present form will soon be gone. In essence, 
He's understanding that there is an issue of relationship. He understands that people are wanting rules, regulations, dialogue. They want they 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 want this set of of you know things to adhere to when it comes to marriage and relationship, and they have all of these questions. But Paul's trying to bring it back and say, look, none of it matters right now. What what's most important right now? Listen, the world that you're living in is expiring. There are people who are losing their lives who don't know Jesus. There are people who are not saved, who need the gospel. The most important thing in this life is not your relationship status. It's not your marriage status. It's not any of that. That's not what's important. He's saying, hey, man, stop overthinking. I talk about this all the time. Stop making it an idol. Right, So many of you are like, oh, this is what I needed to hear because we're still, even as followers of Jesus, so overly consumed with our relationship status. And and I, I built all of that up to say this. Stop being so concerned with it. He says this because the world in its present form will soon be gone. He says, I want you to be free from worry. I don't want you to have to worry about it. A man who is not married is busy with the Lord's work trying to please the Lord. But a man who is married is busy with things of the world trying to please his wife. A a, a single man can be about his father's business. As a single man, you have nobody to answer to. As a single man or woman, you don't have a spouse. Guess what? I can go to Tuesday night prayer. I can go to Wednesday night Bible study. I can do Thursday night outreach. I can do Friday. My life can revolve around the world because I no longer have to take time to please somebody else. I don't have to run ideas off of or bounce ideas off of another individual. I don't have a bunch of kids. I don't have soccer practices to attend to. I can be completely sold out to Jesus as a single individual. God can use me as a single individual far more than he can use somebody who is married with kids and has obligations. They're carefree. So that's why he's saying, hey, I want you, I wish that you guys could be like me. Paul didn't have a wife. He didn't have any obligation. He was free to devote his time, energy, effort, and resources to serving Christ. And then he says, okay, but like, if if you have no self-control, if you're burning with sexual temptation and you can't contain that, then yeah, get married. But marriage is a whole lot of problems and issues. And and, (laughs) this is going to sound horrible. It's like a ball and chain. Marriage is not that, okay? Please don't. I already hear it. Today, Andrew, I really love everything that you say, but when you said that marriage was a ball and chain, I have to disagree with you. And I just have to let you know my opinion. I'm not saying that. I'm saying what Paul's saying. It slows you down. Marriage slows you down. You guys feel me? He's like, hey, I want you to be free from worry. A man who is not busy with the a man is who's not married is busy with the Lord's work. And so if we would take this to heart, this is what's crazy, is if I become, I believe that if you guys become busy with the Lord's work, if you made that your purpose, if you made that your focus, I think you would mess around and run into somebody else of the opposite sex who is on the same mission as you. Does that make sense? It's like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just make it make sense. We're so focused with relationship that we're over here, but I believe that God's relationship for you is over here. And over here is being focused on the Lord. Does that make sense? So we are missing relationship because we're so focused on relationship. But if we could be like, okay, I don't need it. I need to make my life about serving Jesus. I believe that on that path to serving Jesus, you might stumble into or bump into somebody who is on the exact same mission as you and fall in love and find the person that you're looking for. Does that that make sense? 
but but we're so we can't pull ourselves outside of ourselves we're so focused on our feelings and our emotions again that, that we, this is like you can plug in the feeling and the emotion loneliness sadness oh andrew but you don't understand it's easy to say because you're married no i do understand and that's what our story is is that a man who was focused on the lord met a woman who was focused on the lord who lived in a different state you guys we lived in different states but we were both focused on the lord and we ran across each other Does that makes sense but it's easy to oh well, hey it must be nice you got a wife who you get to make TikToks with. Come on, man. Uh, I went through a season of singleness as well. It says, look, <clears throat> but a man who is married is busy with things of the world trying to please his wife. He must think about two things, pleasing his wife and pleasing the Lord. A woman who is not married or a girl who is never married is busy with the Lord's work. She wants to be holy in body and spirit. But a married woman is busy with things of the world as to how she can please her husband. I'm saying this to help you, not to limit you. But I want you to live in the right way, to give yourselves fully to the Lord without concern for other things. It's pretty cut and dry. Stop worrying about relationship. Worry on relationship with Jesus. That should be your focus. That should be your life's cry. That should be your prayer. And if you can pull yourself outside of yourself, outside of your feelings, your suffering, your loneliness, your sadness and depression, and you can focus on making Jesus your most primary and the most important relationship, then that's where you're going to find peace, happiness, satisfaction, comfort, and contentedness. And maybe, just maybe, on that path to becoming more like Christ and focusing solely on getting closer to Jesus, you might just bump into somebody who's on the same mission. And there is the recipe to find what you guys are looking for. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at scripture. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm merely reading the scripture and giving you guys a breakdown from my personal experience and what I'm hearing God speak and what worked for me. If a man thinks he is not doing the right thing with the girl he is engaged to, if she is almost past the best age to marry and he feels he should marry her, he should do what he wants. They should get married. It is no sin, but if a man is sure in his mind that there is no need for marriage and his own desires are under control and he has decided not to marry the one to whom he is engaged, he is doing the right thing. So if you have self-control, you're not burning with passion, you're living a life of celibacy, it's best for you to stay focused on Jesus. Right? So the man who marries this girl does right, <clears throat> but the man who does not marry her will do better. Wow. It's okay. Like, yeah, get married. That's fine, but it's better for you to stay single. You're you're more you're more able to use be used by the Lord. A woman must stay with her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry any man she wants, but she must marry in the Lord. The woman is happier if she does not marry again. This is my opinion, but I believe I also have God's spirit. At the end of the day, these are there there's a few commands, but a lot of it is Paul's opinion. A lot of it is, is Paul's opinion. Oh, man. I'm losing my Wi-Fi, and I'm frustrated. A lot of it is Paul's opinion, and these are guidelines for the church in Corinth. Because, again, if we recall who he's talking to and what's going on, this church is a church where they're struggling with pride. They're struggling with ego. They're struggling with secondary issues. They're fighting. They're bickering. They're quarreling. They're not spiritually mature. They've got uh, a man who is married to his father's wife. He's married to, he's sleeping with his stepmom, right? There's issues in the church. He's talking to individuals who are saved. He's not talking about pulling or removing their salvation. He's trying to help them organize some of the issues and the problems that they're dealing with that are practical, that are daily issues that they're seen every single day. 
many of the issues are the same issues that we as the church present day in 2022 are dealing with. And at the end of what he's saying here, he's saying, hey, the focus, all of these things, right, are of very little significance. There's a plan, a purpose, and a will, and that will is tied to you serving God, making your life about him, being a living sacrifice, giving everything that you have to servitude to him. Yes, you are his friend. Yes, you are his child. We're, we're not, he doesn't see us as servants, but what he does, uh, but, but what he wants, Jesus came and said, hey, I'm your friend. And as your friend, I'm going to lay my life down on the line. I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to sacrifice my life. I'm going to wash your feet. In essence, as your friend, as the lover of your soul, I'm here and I'm going to serve you. And so what Jesus did is he came and he laid the blueprint to what it looks like to be a friend, is to, be, is to serve. And so here we are, friends of God, and we are here serving. The, the, the price that was paid for you to be saved was a great price. My life is no longer mine. My life is Christ. So I'm going to spend every breath that I have and the pulse that beats, I'm going to spend it serving God. And, and, and that's what's most important. So if we can find a place in our life where our most important focus is knowing Jesus, serving Jesus, spreading the gospel of Jesus, spreading the good news, being love, sharing truth. If we can focus on that, I believe that God... I believe, okay, again, this is my opinion, like Paul, I believe that God will position you and, and help heal you and put you in a place and a heart posture to where you're ready to receive an individual who matches the same energy in the same direction that you're going in Christ. Amen. But again, at the end of the day, not everybody's promised. If the only reason, right, I, yeah, that I'll be complete right there. I've got so much more to say on the subject and I left so much out and there's things that I didn't even get a chance to truly address. Um, hmm. I'm praying on this. We might have to do something radical and different. I'm praying on it. Huh. We might have to set up some kind of a Q and a for this because I feel like there's a lot of questions. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, I believe that there's a lot of unique situations. Um, I think that a lot of you guys, uh, it, it's funny because the relationship that we have, mm, that's good, or he'll change your heart to be content. Oh, thank you. Yes, we get it, we get it, we get it. Um, I think that a lot of you feel comfortable sharing some of the things that you share here because I don't know you in person and I'm not your pastor per se. That, and I think that some of the things that we open up, it's easier to open up in this place than to go to your actual pastor for fear of judgment or I don't know why. I don't know why, but this is a safe place. And so let me pray on it. We're going to figure something out. We're going to figure something out. I don't necessarily want to continue the topic um, because I do want to move forward in the chapters, but I don't want to lose this open conversation. I'll figure it out. You don't worry. I'll talk to God about it and we'll come up with something. We might do a live when I get home um, in the evening where we can talk about relationship and marriage. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Anyway, I love it. Um, you guys also, Psalm 120. Eight. Somebody would put that in there. Uh, if we can get that in there. Um, and welcome Cindy for being your first time. First time tuning in. Wow, what a topic. And uh, I'm so disorganized this morning. There we go. I saw it. May is on top of it. Bam. All the way from Germany. It's midday, so she's a lot more sharp than some of us this morning. 
definitely more sharp than I am. So in Psalm 128, you, again, you guys are reading this on your own. So I want you to read 1 Corinthians 7. I want you to read Psalm 128. I want you guys to internalize this. I want you to pray on it. And I want you guys to do your own research, right? Use your search engine of, of, of your choice, of your preference, and really dig deep. What is the context behind some of these things? I want you to settle these issues in your heart. I want God to write these on the tablet of your heart. I want you guys to understand the context in which Paul was speaking. Understand that he was, excuse me, understand that he was talking to the church in Corinth. And that some of these things, I, I skipped over some of the, the passages because I don't, we don't have time. But he's talking about remaining the way that you are. He addresses slaves. Like, hey, if you're a slave, stay a slave. We have to understand the cultural context. We have to understand the time in which it was. We have to understand the cultural norms and the situations that they were in. We have to understand what the church was going through, the issues that were at hand. Um, and so... I would encourage you guys to do your own research today um, as you uh, you know, allow this scripture to sit in your heart, sit on your mind. Um, again, don't take it for what I'm saying. I want you guys to do your own research, right? Uh, some of you guys have changed um, time zones. I'm, in, I'm at 5.30 Pacific. This is always going to be Pacific Standard Time. So um, PST, and I'll let you guys know if I'm going live in a different place. But in Psalm 128, I just want to share one thing, and you guys are going to read this on your own. We might try doing this in the room tomorrow where I have Wi-Fi. It says, Blessed everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. That's verse 1. Um, something that I wanted to share, when it talks about the fear of the Lord, right? the word fear can be confusing because we think of fear as a bad thing. And... You know, it talks about, you know, address the Lord with fear and trembling. And and it's almost like, you know, we get this picture of like, oh, it's God, you know, and we're just scared. But the fear that I have of God, it's a fear and it's a reverence. It's a it's it's not a the fear of like sharks. Okay, like I think of swimming in the ocean and it's like this panic of like, ah, oh, there's literally if I'm even in a swimming pool that's super deep, it's like I can just feel a shark coming up from the bottom to, to get a hold of me. That's a different kind of fear. Like I'm not like scared of God in that manner. It's a reverence, man. It's a respect. It's just like he is who he says he is. He knew me before uh, I was ever born. He knew my sins past, present, and future and still died for me on the cross. Like there's this reverence of how holy is he is and pure. And, and, and there is like an aspect of like earthly fear. You hear about Remember, like when you read the gospel and the angels were popping up and the first thing that they say a lot of the time is like, hey, do not be afraid because they're probably not like little babe, chubby babies with like a, a sash with like a little halo. Like the angels, the pictures of angels are are probably pretty fearsome. They're probably pretty like gnarly. They're out of this world. They're something that we've never really laid. We've never laid our eyes upon. Not even the most graphic and creative artists in this world could even begin to fathom and, and put together the picture of what an actual angel looks like. So if an angel is like shows up and they're like, Hey, do not be afraid. Listen, do not be afraid. And they're just like, Whoa, they're terrified because they're like, yo, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Uh, imagine God. Right, it talks about God, just His presence. You can't even stand in His presence. Like He, it's so much that you, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. You guys feel me? Like God, it's not this fear where I'm just like, oh, I'm scared and terrified. It's just like I'm amazed of how how great and wild 
God is, how great and vast and big and all-knowing and powerful and just like it blows my mind. And sometimes the things that he does in my life even just like, wow, I'm just in awe of God. It's a fear and it's a reverence of his power, but also of his love, right? That song, and I'm going to close with this. There's that song out there by Corey Asbury and it's uh, Reckless Love. And it's a controversial song. I, I get why. There's people who, who are just like, God's love isn't reckless. It's pure and it's precise and there's no recklessness. Because if you look up the definition of reckless, you're just like, yeah, dude, there, there's, it's, it's wild. And so when he sings this song and, and we sing the overwhelming, you know, power, the reckless love of God, there's some individuals who are just like, they're completely offended and they believe that it's heresy. The way that I see it, because I, I personally love that song, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you guys, I love that song, is it's reckless to man's standard. To me, it's reckless. So it, it would be reckless if you betrayed me and stabbed me in the back for me just to love you, for you to reject me and me to continue to love you, for you for for the sins, the way that man has sinned against God and him to still love us, to me. Giving that kind of love to another individual would seem reckless. You know what I mean? For me, this is my opinion. So if if somebody came in and you know just destroyed my family and you know tore everything down, and for me to just be like, I love you, that seems reckless to me. That's a reckless kind of love. That doesn't make sense. It's beyond my comprehension. If somebody hurt my family, I would probably be filled with anger. Even as a man of God, I might even retaliate. Right? I'd be in one of those action movies, one of them Liam Neeson taken movies. I'd go on a spree, I'd fly overseas, and I'd pull people out from underneath beds, and I would raise havoc because that's I'm an earthly fallen man. So to love somebody in, in, in the face of all of the sin, which is like filthy rags that we do to God, to me, it seems reckless. We're not saying that God's reckless. He's very precise. He knows what he's doing. But that kind of love is surpasses my understanding and to me seems reckless. And so it, it's... That's kind of where I believe that the singer was coming from, but we like to get into our little religious hearts and standpoints and go, no, that's not scriptural. Oh my gosh. Lord have mercy on us. Lord have mercy on us. That's it. It's beyond our, uh, it's beyond our comprehension. Anyway, let's pray. Let's get up out of here. I'm in Gilroy, California. You guys, um, Man, the school that we are at is amazing, and the kids are receptive. I got a chance to share my testimony yesterday, and you can feel the Holy Spirit in this school, in this place, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited for what he's going to do today. So if you guys could be praying just for their hearts to be um, softened, they would have ears to hear, eyes to see, that God would use me as a vessel for his Holy Spirit, that there would be less of me, no me. I don't even want me to show up. I want Jesus to use me as a vessel. And I want souls to be saved. Um, it's selfish of me, but that's what I want. That's what I'm here for. For kids to rededicate their life to Christ. For some of them to not know who don't know Jesus. For them to know Jesus. And for chains to be broken. I pray that from this uh, week that I'm spending here, like I'm here all week. It's super cool. Um, I'm, I'm here every single day, Monday through Friday at this school. And um, you know, yesterday was just building relationship, sharing my story. And now we get to preach in today. And that um, from what we share, that kids, the, the bondage to pornography, 
uh, the bondage to the thoughts of self-harm, anxiety, and depression, that they, those would be broken. And that from this place, that there would be leaders that rise up that break generational curses, but uh, more importantly, go on to preach the gospel around the world, that these kids would be inspired, that seeds would be planted, and that um, I'm talking to the future leaders of uh, the, the church and the, 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 the followers of, of Jesus Christ. It's going to be beautiful. I'm excited. So let's pray uh, together and let's get up out of here. So Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. Um, we're grateful and honored that we could hear you, uh, that we get a chance to sit with you, and that your word is so alive that it speaks to our situation, it speaks to what we're going through and what we're dealing with um, on an everyday basis. Lord, we ask for wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Uh, we just we just pray that you would ignite a fire within us to know your word more and to know you deeper. Um, a fire inside of us that has us long for your scripture, long for your presence. God, we need you. And uh, we cannot do this without you. We cannot do this without you. We, we, we need your strength. We need your endurance. We need your peace. We need your comfort. We need your guidance. God, we lay down anything that we've made an idol out of. God, we, we, we tend to make idols out of relationship. We tend to make idols out of career. We tend to make idols out of money and materials and things. And um, we just pray that your word, though it's confrontational, uh, that we would embrace it and that we would allow it to whittle away the rough edges of our character. And at the end of the day, God, we ask that you would make us more like your son, Jesus. Uh, we just ask for protection as you be with us today, um, that you would overshadow us, and that uh, most importantly, God, that your will would be done. That your will would be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. We want your will. We want your passions. We want to burn for the things that you burn for. We want to love the things that you love. We want to turn from the things that you turn from. God, we need you. And uh, we just pray that you would be the focal point and the foundation of our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I love you guys. I honor you. And I guess that it was frozen with my eyes closed. That's the best that we can do here. That's weak sauce. Anyway, I love you guys. I honor you, and I will see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day.